Hello, and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argeris, and this week I'm looking for some specific recommendations from two high school English teachers about books that they are ashamed that they've never read. Well, to help me are obviously the two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe, the four, the aforementioned. Aforementioned. Good, good. Yeah. The aforementioned, that's good. I'm going to give each of you a Tootsie Roll and every time you say a good long word. Ooh. Oh. So, Nick, there's one for you. Congratulations, one, one for the series. One tootsie, one tootsie point. All right. Hi, my name is Joseph Harvey Holshue. Although, um, Ian did recommend that my name be changed to Joseph Party Holshue, uh-huh. which I, I really yep. like. My name is Joseph Harvey Holshue. I am a high Let's school English out. teacher. <laughs> okay, well, I'll say it again. Uh, <laughs> Nick, if you're looking for a shame book this week, a book that I am so ashamed I haven't read yes. until now, I brought a book called Remains of the Day. I don't want to say too much else about it right now. The Remains of the Day. The Remains of the Day. <gasps> this is so cool. We accidentally, this is, ladies and lit, lit heads, ladies and gentlemen, every now and then. We ladies do, and lit heads. Ladies and lit heads. Yes. <laughs> We're being exclusionary <laughs> from the jump today, ladies and lit heads. Um, every now and then we do accidental, like multi-overlaps um, for a reason that will become obvious, painfully obvious in a moment. Uh, good morning. This week, I'm Dr. Ian DeYoung. I'm a teacher of high school English, and I'm ashamed to note that I had never before this week read Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank. So I brought it this week. And this is masquerading as shame week, but it's also secret Nazi week. It is. Oh. <laughs> secret. When you were saying Diary of... I'm like, what on earth does that have in common with my book? But yes, yes. it is secret Nazi Nazis, week. Yeah. baby. Okay, so, all right. <laughs> um, so Joe's so book is Nazi propaganda. God, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of sympathizers. So I was reading, you <laughs> wrote down what books you were selecting for this week and are uh, whatever. And um, Ian, I'm like, oh, that's a good pick, Ian. Thank you. Uh, hey, thank Diary you. of Anne Frank. I mean, I've never read it, but I can't believe you've never read it. <laughs> Joe, I have no, I've never even heard of your book. Nick, I cannot express how much you are going to love my book. Like, oh, I just want to start ooh, out by saying that. Hey, that. Joe, okay. be careful. That does not usually yeah. end well. hundred percent. thousand percent. Never been more okay. confident about anything in my life. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. Since we're doing um, the Secret Nazi Week, I think it's time for our bird fact, our, our inspiring oh. bird story of the week. Um, in 1899... Uh, do you have a, a Nazi blue- bird fact? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, of course I do. In 1899, a blue and gold macaw was born in England. Um, it, I mean, it was hatched. Sorry, it wasn't born. I, I do know hatched. how birds work. Um, and it's still alive. It's 124 years old. It lives in Reigate, which is south of London. And this bird is rumored to have belonged to Winston Churchill. It's called, the the bird is named Charlie the Cursor. (laughs) And supposedly, supposedly, Winston Churchill taught Charlie the Cursor to cuss out Adolf Hitler. What? Okay. Yes. Where is this bird right now? It's in England, Mm Reigate. It's about 20 miles south of London. 
in I I know birds can live a long time. I don't think they can live to be 124. Parrots are parrots are one of those that do live a super super long time. Like tortoise life. There it's 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 uh hatching was documented and um it was I, I couldn't find any news articles from 2023 about it, but I could find some from like 2019. So mm, I yeah. love this segment, Ian, because it immediately is more interesting than anything we could possibly <laughs> talk about in terms of books. This is an immediate uh, Googleable yes. subject. Absolutely. Uh, now I'm looking at the world's oldest birds. Here's yep, a condor great. who's 80. Hey, hey don't, take all, don't take all of my bird facts. Don't yeah, take them. Are they all about old birds? No, they're not all about. No, I haven't it's had old bird facts. I think this is one of my Suck first. It, Ian, here's a flamingo that's 83. I think the big thing, <laughs> the big thing about Charlie, Charlie the Cursor is not its age. It's not his age. It's that supposedly it belonged to Winston Churchill, and Churchill taught this bird to cuss out Hitler. See, but that the thing is, is that's so. I feel like this is a tourist thing. Like he's in a cage some somewhere. No, he's they not just on keep display. replacing him bit by bit. A bird of Theseus. I don't He's know. Not on Joe, display. You should see these pictures. He's not on display. He was cussing out the the people at the zoo or the garden center or wherever he was living. So they took him off display. Joe, you know when you see a picture of like a, a 99 year old person, you're like, yep, they're 99. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> they are super 99. That's kind of what this bird looks like. It is firmly 120 plus years old. <laughs> there is no way it could be younger. Holy shit. Well, welcome, Litheads, to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, as we call it, strongly podcast, where every week we bring two book recommendations. But really, every week we bring a bird. <laughs> and some bird facts. And um, slow as we slowly shift into a bird podcast, uh, we still invite <laughs> bird a birdcast. Um, should, should, I, should I end every episode now with like a caca or something like that? Like a caca kind of situation? Would that be good? Or every week... <laughs> We pick a theme, or you do. Anyway, Litheads, uh, send us some recommendations. Um, book recommendations would be great. Yep. Of course, we pick a winner just to upset one of you. Gentlemen, we have some rules to keep us on track. Rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joe. And rule number three, only winning matters. Who's going to win today? Anne Frank or the Nazis? <laughs> only time will tell. Nazi sympathizers. I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about your book, Joe. Joe, tell me about your book. Give me, give me the back cover. Nick, we all have shame books. You know those books that stay piled up on your nightstand or get pushed further back to the back of the bookshelf, but you keep them around. Some shame books we keep out of a sense of obligation. Others we keep because we imagine some better version of ourselves, but the book I brought today is neither. The book I brought today has been waiting, been waiting patiently in the room with me for years, just at the edge of my perception, ready for when I need it. And this week, it has patiently cleared its throat and has my attention. This week, I read The Remains of the Day. It's a Booker Prize winning book written by a Pulitzer Prize winning author and was adapted into a movie that was nominated for eight Oscars. And Nick, best of all, it's a Butler it's a book. book. It's a Butler book, baby. It might be the Nick, Butler Nick, let's book. slow down. I think it would have been more helpful if we had... If he told me what the book was, was about. Yeah. He was doing the whole thing about like it's standing like, quietly like in the corner, shame. and that's yeah, right. meant like, to imply a butler. That's meant to imply a butler. Like I tried to write my introduction as if it were a gentleman's gentleman waiting in the corner ready for when I need it. I don't like it when you both talk to me at the same time. Ian, tell mm -hmm. me what your book is about. <laughs> in 1942, 
Anne Frank and her family went into hiding from the Nazis. They stayed in their secret annex, which is what they called their hiding place, for more than two years before being caught and sent to concentration camps. When their friends went to clean up the hiding place, they found the girl's diary and returned it to her father after the war. She died in the camps. Her father published her diary as a memorial to her. The rest is history. I'm surprised. You, so doesn't everybody kind of have to read this? In, in what grade do they make you read this? Uh, it's pretty yes, young. Uh, yes, Mr. Holshu. It's Mr. Party shockingly Holshu. young that you have okay. to read this book. <laughs> it, I thought that I had read the diary of Anne Frank because you, like, like Nick said, like you it's read just it in there. seventh grade or something yeah. like that. But I think what I actually read was a play based on the yes. diary of Anne Frank. Pulitzer Prize winning play. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah. Yes. So it, it's a book though, right? It's just a, a retold. St- it's that's a strange, the play is an adaptation. I think, I think so. So the book, um, the book is long. I think a lot of people know about Anne Frank, but the, the, the number of people who've actually read this thing is much lower than the number of people who yeah. have. I mean, you always like, it's always quoted in history books and you, it's just, it, it does feel extremely familiar, but yeah, I could see not actually reading the, the subject matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's a fucking downer, Ian. You can go last. <laughs> Okay, Nick, I guess first things first, my book is about butlers. Well, it's about a butler mostly. Um, He is the protagonist of my book. He is the narrator of my book. All of the action in this book revolves around his journey. And um, it's about a butler who is on the back piece of his career. He has had a long and storied career. (laughs) He's washed. It's a butler who's washed. His, his good buttling days are behind be him. washed. He's a butler <laughs> he's who might, might be washed. So like sometimes he's like whips out his silver salver and it's really crisp, but sometimes he like whips it out and it's like fumbling and clanging across the room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. and, and actually Ian's teasing a little bit here, but that's actually kind of exactly what's happening in this book. Almost like, like I've read the book. <laughs> there's, there's just little mistakes have started showing up that aren't very serious, but he's starting to worry might be indicative of some larger decline in his faculties. Okay. Okay. Is this a good stop, spot for questions? It, it's a great spot for questions. Yes. I can <laughs> tell you a little bit about the, these. How hilarious is this decline? Is he like, <laughs> when you I'm say this sure, book, I'm sure, I'm sure I won't slip on that banana peel. Oh no, I have. No, just don't listen to Ian. What is, <laughs> when you say this book is about butlers, are you just being an asshole or is no, this no, actually no. about butlers? <laughs> the name of this book um, is The Demands of the Day. The protagonist of this book is a guy, a man named Mr. Stevens. Um, he's okay. the narrator of this book. And Mr. Stevens is a butler and he's a butler at an estate in England. That is a, it's a storied estate. Storied estate. It's a storied estate. Like his, um, his former employer who has recently passed away was a big, big deal, uh, in English politics, in English gentry, in English society in the 1930s, very specifically in the time between uh-oh. World War One. Oh no! And leading up to World War Two, like his okay. employer was a a mover and a shaker. You have, I mean, it's it's the most interesting time in in recent history. Um, what happens, Joe? Well, okay. Does he have to go buttle for the Nazis? <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, you you are assuming a plot line that is much too action packed. Okay, got it, got it, yeah. got it, got it. Harry mm-hmm. Winnick does that. Yeah, Stop he does. It. He does not buttle for the Nazis. He hey, does. Would you rather have a? What do you? Who do you think's more picky? A British butlers or a German butler? I feel like it's less about pickiness and it's more about like what they'll do to you. So if <laughs> if if you if you offend a British butler, he'll just. He'll just make you feel terrible uh, okay. about yourself and question yourself. If you uh, offend a German butler, like maybe he'll he'll just maybe uh, you know yeah. you know mm-hmm. yeah Absolutely. you know maybe what's going to happen. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. <laughs> the Germans kind of move to to final you know, solutions you, faster. They <laughs> all know. That's right. A little less patience. A little bit more. Let's get to the last solution. Um, okay, so Joe, um, it's not exciting. But, um, well, but there are other, <laughs> you said there let are me, other, hey, let me things? rephrase, let me rephrase next yep. question. Joe, if the excitement isn't punching mm-hmm. out people and, and spying, where is the excitement? Yeah. Okay. So Nick, the frame, the framing device of this book to answer that question is this Butler's on the back half of his career. His, the, the, that big fancy English gentleman, he's dead. Right. He is gone. He had slipped into obscurity and he has now died. And the estate has been bought by a young and upcoming, well, maybe not young, but an upcoming and moneyed American. Right. So we're post-war England right now. His estate has been bought by an American and the American doesn't really get the whole English society thing. Right. Like he bought it very much as a status symbol. He loves that his big fancy new house came with a fancy old butler that actually served gentlemen, but he's not great at society regardless. He sa- he he invites our butler, Mr. Stevens, to go on a motoring trip. He says, hey, Stevens, you've been working hard. How about you say- take some time off? Take uh, the Joe, car. In English? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. On a, Ca- on a car? On a road trip. On okay, a road trip. Oh, road trip. Got it, got it, got it. Mm-hmm. And Stevens takes him up on that offer and and the framing device is Stevens as he drives across the English countryside over the course of maybe five days or something like that but while he's driving across the English countryside instead of being like and then I stopped at this hill and then I looked at this lake and then I stayed in this inn that stuff exists it's almost entirely dominated by him reminiscing about that 10 year span, uh, 1930 to 1940, roughly when he was a butler in a politically, uh, heavyweight house. When you said motored across the country, I did picture immediately some sort of motorcycle with sidecar. Like they're like a, it's like a buddy. So that's what I'll be imagining regardless Mm -hmm. of what you say. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, So what is it like a buddy? Is it a buddy comedy then basically? So what you're saying in a motorcycle? It's very well. So he's not actually on a motorcycle with a sidecar. So no, it is is not actually a buddy cow. Yeah. Um, It's not a buddy comedy. In fact, it's very reflective and restrained of course as the British Stevens way. It, it's very British it's very British it sounds as very British Stephen reflects on everything <laughs> from what makes a truly great butler right to um important political meetings that happen in the house and the and the role the 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 auxiliary but very important role that he played in those meetings to the 
many personal opportunities that he lost out on because he was so freaking dedicated to being an amazing butler. That is what this book is about. It sounds like it's a book about regret. Mm. It's, it's, it's a book that is largely about regret. It's a book about a guy who is super, super, super good at his job and who Nick, he missed out on love because of it. And life. Oh my gosh. Sounds heartbreaking, Joe. Um, does he cry or is that the not really even? No, he, this guy does not oh, show Nick, a single you emotion. You do not have a he? clear understanding of the restraint in this book. Like when I think about shame books, these are like iconic books that, you know, you, you would be ashamed to tell anybody. But if nobody knows the name of the book, Joe, <laughs> well, I, this, would, I would interject here and say that, that this could be a Nick don't problem. Know the name this could be a Nick situation. Yeah, this could be a, one of those gaps we talk about so much. Um, OK, so it's weird. Uh, it's weird. This this like the, the reputation is weird because this is like like a lot of literary fiction this is one that in certain circles has a pretty high profile and in other circles is not it's not mm-hmm. it doesn't have that same kind of profile what's the movie situation here you said uh, nine, the, eight oscars or something eight, nominated for eight oscars anthony hopkins um anthony hopkins Ooh. that's hannibal lecter right plays the butler and what a good butler anthony hopkins wow. plays um it is it, it was Uh, beloved when it came out it was commercially and artistically successful it happened to come out the same year as schindler's list though and jurassic park and yeah it had a lot of oscar nominations oh just like anne frank is gonna swoop in here and win (laughs) (laughs) uh 96 on rotten tomatoes that's an unbelievable score it's unbelievable. Yeah, it, it, the movie's outstanding. My, Megan and I watched it uh, last night. Watched it last oh, night. Oh, and it's got, um, what's her name? Um, Emma Thompson? Emma, Emma Thompson. Thompson. Mm-hmm. Amazing. amazing. Okay. Well, that sounds good. I'm sure that's on Hulu Plus. And this guy, Anthony Hopkins, was basically, he was born to play a serial killer, but after, just right below that, born to play a butler. Yes, a, a, a <laughs> it's butler. It's neck and neck. Okay, Nick, there's a lot I like about this book. I've broken it down into a few areas, and I kind of want you to choose which one you're most interested in hearing about. Choose your own adventure. So I talked briefly about the restraint stuff. Um, Like when you you read this book, it's a slow burn. In fact, it's kind of hard to tell what it's kind of hard to tell what he thinks about things, what he feels about things. Mm, It reminds me a lot. Let's start with a slow burn. (laughs) It reminds me a lot, Ian, of Piranesi. Right. Where mm, like you have this, yeah. you have this narrator who yeah. is a little bit reticent or a little bit don't, unable. Okay, don't authors love freaking yeah. love to do this? They're like, Hey, I'm going to suck you in with a, an interesting premise, but am I going to give you everything up front? Up front? No, no. You have to read the whole book and you got to pay attention to the details, everything. man. It's almost Every like, detail. it's almost like this is what, this is what reading is. And mm-hmm. so these are optimized to be, um, kind of like, to play to the strengths of the reading experience. Mm-hmm. All right, Nick, I've got two things for you to choose from here. I've got the Butler stuff and I've got the secret learning Nazi stuff. Those are the two uh, areas. Which I one do you want to hear about? I refuse to choose. I would like, I'm going to need both of those in just okay. the, in the best way you can Joe. Okay. 
I'm going to start with the Butler stuff because our Mr. Stevens thinks a lot about what it means to be not a good Butler, Nick, because good Butlers are, there's a lot of good Butlers out there. He wants to be, he would never say it like this, Mm -hmm. but there are people in society that consider Mr. Stevens among the best, right? Mm. Like legendary Butlers. He would never call himself that. Obviously. Obviously, that's not very British. But aren't all of the legendary butlers working for the Queen? Mm, oh, no, Nick. Rookie mistake. Rookie oh, mistake. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. One of the central ideas in this book is that the big international decisions that get made, right? Yeah. Like, you, like, like the, where, the, where the television cameras are, I guess there wouldn't be television cameras here, but like right. that, the, that the newspapers write about in these like House of Commons, these large gatherings, that's not actually where decisions get made. Oh. Decisions get made in the estates of landed gentry as they host dignitaries from around oh, the world, the as they host other <laughs> movers and shakers, as they have them at their at their um, at their mansions, as mansions. they Yachts. entertain them over a few days, and as they kind of all agree what their position is before they go to the House of Commons and argue it for in a, in a way. Oh my goodness. So this is like a real behind the scenes uh ground level here of 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 shaping the the world. And so does it get political in that regard? Is that okay. is that where everybody decides Nazis good? <laughs> oh okay. The, or Nazis the bad. Short answer to your question is Yes, <laughs> it, yeah. it, it does get political, and that is where people decide Nazis thumbs up, right? The very Ooh. specific people in this in this Ooh. book. Yeah, that However, was my next question: Who these people are that he's serving? Are they the good ones or the bad ones? Yeah. Joe? So then, the, but the next thing is Stevens, Mister Stevens. He sees himself as very much separate from this. He sees himself like my my position is not to have an opinion on what is going on in this house. My position is not to agree or disagree with the politics of this house. My position is to serve Lord Darlington. Damn it. My my (laughs) position is to buttle and I am going to be so dang good at it. (laughs) Not even Nazis is going to stop this guy from buttling the best he can. (laughs) Priorities, right? You know, like, We've all made mistakes. We've all put our bottling careers right. before things this that we is ought to care about. Duty above all, right? It's duty so, above duty. all. And duty. in duty. this book, duty. duty above all. It's duty above all. And in this book, Stevens, as he's again on the back half of his career, yes. motoring across the country, he does feel pangs of regret for the role that his house played his in the lead up to life. World War II. That he yeah. does feel pangs of regret for the role. But he also is adamant that um, Mr. Darlington, his his lord, mm-hmm. Mr. Darlington was only ever acting out of the was only ever acting out of a true desire for dignity, a true desire for peace, and a true desire for um, for maintaining this very British ideal of hey the status we beat quo the germans <laughs> we beat the germans in world war ii it is not british to keep your neck your your foot on their throat it is british like once you knock a guy down it is british to help him stand back up right? and then knock him down again and then <laughs> and then as it would turn out knock him down again yes for the so, rest of your life until you're filled with regret um so now i have a question yeah mm-hmm. lots of questions so is is 
Stevens. Um, Stevens? Stevens. Mr. Stevens. Mr. Stevens. Ah, Mr. Stevens. Is Mr. Sorry, 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 Anthony. Is Mr. Stevens, is his sympathy for his master, um, employer? Does the book like, does the book like <laughs> challenge that or does it set up, set this up as like iffy or is this like, no man, look at this nice old guy who just, he has loyalty. Like how is, how yeah. is this? Cause, cause this seems flawed. Mm-hmm. This, this veneration Ow. seems flawed. And so what does the book do with that flaw? Yeah. This is where the secret learning stuff comes in. Perfect. This book starts like Anthony, Anthony Hopkins flashbacks, Jesus. Um, Stevens, Mr. Stevens flashbacks start kind of pretty post, like, like, like just post World War I. There's been the Treaty of Versailles. The Germans have lost World War I and they are absolutely eating mud, right? Like they're absolutely getting like dirt kicked on them by the, by the Europeans who have beat them in this war. They're paying extensive reparations. They have to pay all the debt for that war. And it doesn't allow the German people any dignity, right? That's the idea, right? Like they're getting kept down. His employer, Mr. Darlington, is sympathetic to that, right? Like he has German friends, right? He has like like German people that he fought against in the war, but in a very gentlemanly way, the kind of way where it's like, well, look, we're enemies now, but we're going to get together and have a drink after the war, right? It starts, the way that they treat this is the sympathy for the Nazis, and Nazi sympathizer is such a Let's just term, go with Nazi right? sympathizer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, the eventual sympathy for the Nazis starts in, I think, really genuinely um, admirable, like really genuinely admirable emotions where it's like, hey, I beat you. I want to help you. Right. Like it is not our position to lord over you for the next 30 years. Right. Like it is our position to help you stand back up, help you rebuild. As the book goes on, though, and these political meetings happen over and over, it just spirals a little bit. And pretty much I want to help my German friends turns Mm. into I'm going to host like some black shirts at my place. Mm -hmm. Right. Turns into I'm going to have a secret meeting between like the prime minister and Winston Churchill and like this um, German German uh, ambassador. I'm going to have a secret meeting at our house to like kind of hammer out like British support for Nazi Germany ahead of World War Two. With the intent that like they are so high up in this like uh, in 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 secretly governing the world that he feels that he can positively influence the situation. This is all pre-war. This is, this is pre-World War II, post-World War I, pre-World War II. And the, and the intent is exactly what you said. He, they are so high up in the world that they can move, they can pull the political levers behind, behind the scenes. Yes. Uh, So Joe, how much of this is like, uh, um, historic political reality? Is it, I assume it's all true and has it's pretty well researched or is it a completely fictionalized version of no mr darlington is, is a fabrication right um but, and but, in fact, but the I, idea is the, the yes. trend right the mm. the sure like names names have been changed for to protect the sure. innocent yeah the, the sympathizers <laughs> the not innocent <laughs> the names the have been changed to protect all nazi mm. sympathizers all right my question is this how much of this is like history and how much of this is um his personal story or is it is it really intertwined when we come to secret learning right like there certainly was an element of the british gentry that thought the german people that thought the rising nazi power had some pretty good ideas about preserving power in germany and like bringing dignity and things like that 
Um, the Ishiguro, the author of this, is pretty explicit in interviews where he's like, yeah, I didn't really know anything about this, right? Oh, like when I, when I ran up against something, I just like, I just made it up, right? <laughs> Including like a lot of like the buttling things, right? He's like, yeah, I just, oh, I just made no. up a story. <laughs> so this is not, like, what, what you're saying is this is not a useful resource either for Nazi sympathizer background or bottling. This is not meant to be a historical recreation of exactly what happened. Okay. It is more meant to be, honestly, it's more meant to be an internal reflection on what it means to dedicate your life to a job and miss out on other things. It reminds meantime. me of uh, the, what is it, Amor, Amor Tolls? Mm-hmm. Our friend Amor Tolls, who's going to do this podcast, he said, Absolutely. someday. Uh, someday he's very the problem busy. is that he just keeps getting more and more famous and popular mm-hmm. and i'm really concerned that this is we not a good direction a we're going time yeah, ago. well it's just it, i'm not i think one day you mm-hmm. know deathbed style mm-hmm. okay it kind of reminds me of that where but it doesn't sound like that it doesn't sound because that one was more of a historical you know Right. Well, I mean, I I think they're both like historical-ish novels with secret learning and charming central characters that that showed tremendous restraint that were part of the gentry and all this stuff. Yes, like Joe, you're you're out of time here. Anything else to say? Yeah, I I mean. Yeah, I have more things to say. I liked I a lot about this book. I loved the Butler stuff about this book, right? And like the actual day-to-day operations of running uh, this house. I loved these moments of this. It's weird to say that I loved these moments of personal loss, but there's a couple big scenes in this book in which his job in like a semi-climactic scene directly comes into conflict with a tremendously important personal moment. Either the death of his father in one kind of tentpole of this of this book or the woman who he loves but he would never say anything like that agreeing to marry somebody else like oh, of course she does of course she does like and those scenes are so delicate and so measured and you understand what motivates oh, this butler man. and yeah it's, it's polishing it's, silverware it sounds like motivates him he's well, like oh, no, well, i'd love to marry you honey but this silverware needs another he is buff. making sure that these political <laughs> meetings go off without without a, a hitch, hitch because yes. what happens in the halls of darlington estate has ramifications throughout the world right God. it is more important than the than the simultaneous occurring death of his father and in in fact, this is the last thing I'll say about it because it was the moment that I think I fell in love with this book. There's a moment in the first half of this book in which his father, who is also employed at the estate as an underbutler, is dying. His father is simultaneously dying while a very important meeting is going on. Mr. Stevens has to make choices between where he is spending his time. Do I spend it with my dying father, right? And and hear his last words and hear him tell me how proud he is of me? Or do I, in fact, like make sure this meeting goes off without a hitch? And Nick, you know what Mr. Stevens <laughs> chooses, right? Silver, baby. <laughs> when you read this piece, right, you're like, oh my God, he just chose like his job over like being there with his dad when he died. Stevens then goes on to say, it is among the proudest moments of his ah. professional career. And you just go, oh, this is a little different than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting like uh, thing, right? Because it's like, because I think we look down on butlers. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right? Absolutely like, the, the point mm-hmm. is like, okay, somebody doesn't do this because they're busy at work and like, mm-hmm. okay, well, they have a really important job and I'm running a mm-hmm. big company and doing all this stuff. But this guy's missing it to like literally 
pour tea. Right. Yes, to literally make sure that the crumpets get out on time it's, and that it's, they're it's warm. Yes. Purely principled. It's purely principled. This book it's clean. oozes with dignity. Right. right. Like, like that is it. It oozes with dignity. And I'll get that looked at. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, seek, and Nazi sympathy. And Nazi sympathizing. <laughs> That's all I have oh. to say. I loved this book. I, I really enjoyed it. It was a pleasure to read this week. There's Butler stuff. There's secret learning. There's, there's Butler smack talk at one point in this book, which is just like the most restraint kind of smack talk. And yeah, I loved it. I think it's great. Can but you read it. share an insult? You think about an insult while mm-hmm. we move on to Ian's uh, book. Now, Ian. Yes, I know you're walking in here thinking there's no way Anne Frank is going to lose this week. I, I'm not actually. This is a really this is a, a really hard book to talk about. Um, just want to let you know that nobody gets a pass. Here. Not even a dead 15 year old who died of typhus. It's called Diary of a Young Girl. Um, we, we refer to it kind of like, you know, we, we don't refer to we the book, the book about the white rabbit and um, the king yes. Queen of hearts. We refer to that as Alice in Wonderland, but it's actually right. called Alice's Inve- Adventures in Wonderland. Similarly, everyone calls this the diary of Anne Frank, but its title is the diary, that would of be a, wrong. diary of a young girl. Yeah. So um, it's like the Eagles. Is it Eagles? It's not the Eagles. It's just Eagles. Ew, really? Really? I'm pretty sure. Hold on. I don't like that. Yeah, it's just eagles. No. Yeah, it's a whole thing. There's all sorts of bird facts today. I don't. (laughs) Let me tell you about an eagles. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. Um, So my book, my book is um, uh, look inside um, a hiding place. She she calls it. They call it the secret annex. where uh, Anne Frank, her mother and father, and her sister, as well as another couple and their son are hiding. Um, Anne and the Franks are uh, Dutch Jewish people, and the other the other family in there is uh, German Jewish people, um, and they are in hiding. So the book begins. Uh, the, the The diary begins with with Anne sort of saying like and she introduces herself and and kind of gives us a sense of who she is and we'll get more into that in a minute but um pretty quickly in in the book um in in her entries um her sister gets her older sister gets like a summons you got to go to the concentration camps and that's when they go that's when they book and so um we get a little glimpse of life outside things are getting worse with her sister Yeah, everyone goes. The everybody everyone okay. goes. Yeah. Um, so things are they getting didn't, like send the sister. <laughs> right. Well, so if the sister if the sister doesn't show up, then the the family will will be taken too. Um, so, Why did just the sister get a summons? That's, I'm sorry, we're really I mean, into the weeds here. But this is it's. I mean, it's um, the sister. Had, I think just turned 16. Uh, but it's really it's 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 meaningless. Like okay, the, there's a, <clears throat> there's no logic to it. Roll um, of the dice. Like, yeah, she was a, a resistance fighter. Nothing like that. It's just that you know they they decided that it was time to, to murder her. Her um, number came up. Literally. Ian, yes. uh, just, okay. Can you give us, um, let, let's refresh our history here uh, for, for everybody. Um, <laughs> before you like maybe get into the book, like what, what, what is the context here? Like where are they living? Does, does the, does the text cover that? Like how raw is this as like a diary? It's just, yeah. it's just straight up. It's just yeah. like, we just get what she says, what she thinks. So yeah. does that count as a pistolary or no? 
I, I, it, it's, it's, it's hard because it's not letters, but it's similar. It's not letters. I mean, she she frames them, so she she but has, she uses letters. She, oh, absolutely, and thank right, God okay. she does. If she had right. used symbols or sounds, like, this would not Very have survived. There wouldn't even be um, words in this thing. Yeah. I mean, podcasts did not come into being until at least the 1950s. So, history. In 1933, the Nazis take power in Germany. Uh, by 1940, they have conquered... Um, Holland. The hearts of um, a nation. They've, <laughs> um, they've stopped the hearts of a bodies. lot of people by that yeah. point. Um, by by mid nineteen forty, um, the Netherlands are are um, are um, under underwater, not literally underwater with Nazis. Um, the Nazis have taken over. The Nazis establish um, military rule there, as they do with the other countries that they. That was a Holland joke. Let heads in case because they often have issues with. <laughs> Flooding. Thank goodness that uh, here's they didn't really but, but the windmills yeah. won't save Holland from this flood. Okay. Mm. Yep. <laughs> I was just picturing Nazis in scuba outfits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, worse. Um, it took Germany seven days to conquer the Netherlands, and they were there for uh, most wow. of the rest of the war. Um, and Holland just Holland just fell. So um, there were uh, there was a, a sizable Jewish population in Holland. Um, at first, the Jewish people in Holland weren't um, weren't bothered explicitly, but pretty quickly the, the the iron grasp began tightening. So wearing the yellow stars, um, being moved to ghettos where they had to live with other Jewish people, more and more, um, more and more uh, industries were required to bar or ban Jewish people. Um, so when this, when her, when her diary starts, and it's in 1942 after two years of occupation, when the diary starts, um, she's talking about how they're not allowed to ride the streetcars anymore, so they had to go to go somewhere and they had to walk. And she's like, we were so out of breath, um, but this is the way it is because Jewish people aren't allowed to ride the streetcars. Um, so she's attending a Jewish school. She has a bunch of friends. Um, we get to, to meet those friends and she's like deliciously catty about them she has like this list she's like here are all my friends it turns out i don't like any of them for in here the specific reasons this one is pretty but she's stupid this one is nice but she talks way too much and i can't stand that it's like such a perfect like teenage girl it is adolescent girl yeah. So this yeah. is one of the things I, I love about this book um, is that she, like I knew this is a, was a tragic story going in, but I didn't realize just how human her her voice and how like recognizable her voice would be. She is a teenage. Well, she starts off as a kind of a tween and then she turns into a, a teenager um, tween tween folk tween vogue dot com. Um, suggest a theme, suggest a book. Yeah. Yep. She, um, she, she is, she, she talks like she, she, her anxieties are, her concerns are, uh, those of a normal teenage girl. She doesn't have a sense of like her future as a tragic heroine. She's just like, she doesn't understand the historical significance that will be her legacy. Exactly. Well, cause it hasn't happened to her yet. Yeah. Um, she has a tough relationship with her mom. She feels like she doesn't fit in. She's like, I will never have a true friend. Um, she has this inferiority complex with her sister. She's like, my sister Margo is the best at everything. And I yep. love her, she's but she's also way better than she's me super at smart everything. And she's super funny. And it's so annoying. Yep. Uh, yeah. But not even so annoying so much. Just like, 
that's that's my Sucks. that's my older sister. She will always be better than me. Um, she has this like deep desire for connection. She wants someone who's a kindred spirit. And um, this boy that that is in the other family that they're kind of hiding with, she develops a relationship with him and kind of gradually realizes towards the end she's like, we're not good together. Like we're fine. He's fine, but um, he likes me romantically and i i don't i don't think i don't think that's who we are but also it's just the two of us in this house right so exactly like, yeah <laughs> this is fascinating for me because like this these are populations that i teach right like, these are age groups that i teach and so seeing this was a huge it, it, it took like, it was it was it was it was mind-blowing the concerns that she expresses are concerns that i hear from my students regularly go ahead joe you mentioned epistolary epistolary novel and all i can think of is dracula um, yep. where it's this slow build into a horror story. Mm-hmm. Ian, right. how does this read in terms of where it starts and how it unravels? Like, how long is this book? How long is this collection? It's plenty long. It's, it's, it's good and long. It's um, <laughs> three, three, 300 pages-ish. Yeah, she, had, she was in that attic a long time. Yeah, she, they were up there. They were hiding for two years. Yeah. Or rather, the, 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 um, the diary covers two years. Um, okay. They weren't hiding the whole time because it starts before they get into the secret annex. But like, we get to see, we get to oh, see the does. slow build. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't we start when We get to see the up. slow build. Um, over time and and it's fascinating because as we watch her grow up we're also watching her interact with um with uh things going well and going poorly in the world outside so she talks about listening to radio broadcasts um from exiled dutch leaders and they, they can get the radio broadcasts in in holland from london um she talks about the news that she hears um this this brings me to kind of like a characteristic of this story that I'd, I'd like to I'd like to kind of get into a bit. So I talked when we when we when we did um, Michelle Zahner's crying in H Mart. I, I used a term which I coined the momentous normal. So I'm going to try and repeat this. We all remember it. I I think it's oh oh no Nick you're teasing Ian. I think about this yeah. all the time. I think it is the number one thought technology Ian has brought to me. Oh dang. oh wow. Oh, boy. That, that, that's enough joke <laughs> we don't um for those of you who remember clearly the momentous normal is this idea that in literature and other art um sometimes we get these explorations of how common occurrences just hit us powerfully um, almost irrationally powerfully um and, and it gives what is statistically normal or statistically common a momentous um heft so the 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 kind of counterweight to this is what we might call the banal abnormal so this is when things are out of place things are out of joint but they're related in such a way that we are able to see kind of their banal mundane boring reality i think we think of you know hiding from the nazis during world war 2 as being sensational, but this is desensationalizing. We imagine it to be to be dramatic, romantic. Reading between the lines, we can see that. But for her, she was just a girl growing up, trying to find connection, trying to make peace with all of the weird people who are staying with her. Like the the, the couple, the, the 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 parents of the of the other family, the moms. It, she, the mom and Anne do not get along. Oh. Um, the mom doesn't get along with much of the rest of the family. Um, there's like some serious interpersonal drama. Um, Anne doesn't get along with her mom super well with her own mom. 
and there are fights. Um, these people are literally hiding from the Nazis and you expect that to be sort of the, 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 the sensational piece. Um, but this it's banal. What is abnormal for them is also just, do you think that's why they made it into a play? <laughs> To be honest, I think the first reason they made made it into a play was it mostly takes place in one location and playwrights are always (laughs) looking. (laughs) Oh, jackpot. (laughs) They're like, "Mm -hmm, that one takes place in a secret annex. Let's do that one. How was this book? finished uh, i know there's a lot of history around like around the book obviously yeah. do you, how was how did yeah how does how, it how is it how is it a thing that we yeah <laughs> <laughs> it ends someone's knocking at the door uh no it it um it ends it's it's a kind of a heartbreaking conclusion so um there is a plot it, it, she she they're in hiding until 1944 um, which is close. It's, it's close to when, when things were wrapped up. Um, her second to last entry is all about in the diaries, all about, she hears the news of, um, this plot to assassinate Hitler, the 20th of July plot. Um, and there were like German officials, German officers in, in the army who tried to blow them up and stuff. Uh, and she's like, this is exciting because, um, there's a hope that it's not just some, some kind of radical fringe people, but, but the, the Germans are turning against Hitler and, and there's a possibility. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so she's like, maybe this will all be over soon. And then her last entry is like a reflection on who she is and sort of her dual personality where she's kind of light and funny and goofy and like tells dirty jokes, but also she's got this deeper kind of, she calls it purer um, affection for literature and art. And she tries to be high minded and she's like, maybe I'm both of these things. How am I reconciling my silliness with my seriousness? And then then you turn the page and it says Anne's diary ends here. And there's a coda oh, that like describes the next day, this German officer in full uniform got out of his car in the street out front. Um, and it narrates like um, briefly, like how, who was arrested and who got away. We get that thing that you get at the end of like a biopic where it's like, so-and-so lives in Argentina under an assumed name. Um, and the last entry in this list of like what happened to people is Anne and her sister Margot, who uh, are sent to Bergen-Belsen. And um, there is a typhus epidemic and, and Margot, the older sister, dies. And then a couple a couple days later, Anne dies. Um, they, their bodies are probably in a mass grave somewhere. Um, this is a few months before liberation the boy that she kind of is on again, off again with dies three days before his camp is, is liberated. So it's just like having gotten to know her so kind of personally and intimately. And then all of a sudden, and you know, it's coming, right? You know, no, nobody, nobody picks this up. And, oh, I wonder if she makes it through. I wonder, you know, you, you don't, maybe some lit heads out there. Where I mean, yeah, lit heads, sorry. Oh, no. only, only unavoidable spoilers. You know where this is going. Um, and, and so you're watching kind of, you're watching what you know will be a horror film, but the characters believe that they are in um, a romance, com- like a rom-com. Um, that's fucked up. It so is. It really, really is. And the <laughs> kicker, the kicker is like, so, so she's so young, right? And she has so much promise. I've read a lot of writing from people of this, of this age, including mm. 
uh, some, some writing by people who are like certified geniuses. My school is a school for geniuses. She is a really, Cocky. really good writer. Arrogant. This is not edited or polished. She is a really good writer. She has a great, uh, a great way, like a turn of phrase. Um, she Joe, say something nice about your students. Rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I don't, I, I don't know. I, no, I, Joe's I not good at saying nice things. It's no, okay, students. I, I think you're great. Nice things. All right. No, I, I love my students very much. That's the nice there thing. Go. Okay, students, we, we all think you're great. Not just the tragedy of the narrative, but potential cut short. She wanted to be an author. She goes back and oh. at, at a certain point, she starts revising her diary. She starts going back to, to, er, to vol the earlier volumes and, you know, cutting things out. Um, at one point, she's like, well, there was a, there's a page where she's kind of writing a bunch of dirty jokes and like talking about sex and so on and so forth. And she pasted brown paper in her diaries over that because she's like, I don't later, we assume. Yeah. I don't want this to be part of my record. Um, it's just sure. she it's, expunged the record. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. she she is aware of of her kind of literary potential, and it's yeah, it's it's absolutely heartbreaking. You know, it always feels like everything comes back to the Nazis, right? Like it's like oh, it's Nazis, it's Holocaust, and sometimes you're like yeah, 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 it's just another Nazi thing. And then when you actually sit and read it or think about it, you're mm -hmm. like oh, right, no. there's a reason because it's, I mean, it's just the worst stuff. It's ever. pure evil. It's, it's the most the evil thing ever. that's ever happened. And it's, it's the, the, the victims, the victims are human beings. This allows us to see them as people, um, not as, not as numbers, not as, you know, like the, the world war, the world war two documentaries where it's like, like kind of grainy shots of, of mm -hmm. the, the mass graves. Those are blurry bodies. This is a soul. This is a spirit. And I think this is as powerful in a different way as those kind of horrifying images um, of concentration camps. Ian, can I give you a one-star review to close this? I was oh, so hoping you would because yes. I, I, I was looking oh, at Goodreads and like, Brody, some people have rated this low. Yeah, this girl it, does not stop complaining about her living conditions. <laughs> she sounds like your annoying little cousin when she gets her uh, Coco Melon snotty looking iPad taken away. <laughs> I don't know how anyone could read this. She honestly needs to just grow up a little. But my, this, Jesus Christ, Brody. My life here in America Brody. is much worse as I struggle with issues. As this may Brody, be a troll. You suck. We it's might be doing be a with troll. a troll. It's every, every single once I review here is like expecting Anne to be some sort of heroic figure yeah. in which Perfect. she knew her right. destiny yes. and the yes. historical significance. Yes. And it's like, it's literally in the title. It's a diary, yep. you yep. idiots. <laughs> Fuck these Nick people. Is, Nick anyway. is getting mad about this. This is a good time to talk, I think, about the diary format because she... Uh, well, it's this a good is time to stop talking. Let's fucking... Yeah, we're we're here. Yeah. She, she wrote this as a diary. This is really, really personal. Um, it's yeah, not she's clear. Like, the last entry is, I hope this never is published. <laughs> what a tremendous betrayal of my trust and inner and That inner would thoughts. be... So, so early on in the book, uh, in, the, in the, the diary, she talks about hearing this radio address from an exiled Dutch leader who is saying, people preserve the documents from your hiding. When you are hiding out, Dutch people, Dutch Jewish people, preserve kind of the everyday documents from this because this is an important part of history. And as I mentioned pretty early on in the process, like within the first year of writing this diary, she starts revising these diaries and eventually is editing her own story. She's going back and saying, this is not interesting. I'll mm. cut that out. This is too dirty. So I'll she, cut that out. Do you so think she, she has an audience in mind then? Like she thinks this, that's the this question, should be published yeah. one day? 
That's the question. And, and Which her is dad, even more sad. <laughs> her dad is the only one. Um, there were eight people who were taken away. Um, her dad is uh, from, from the, the secret annex. Her dad is the only one who survives when mm-hmm. he gets back. Um, the people who are helping them give him the diary that they found. Um, and he looks at it and he shares it with some, some friends and they're like, this is really good. This is like really brilliant. And it helps us understand, um, your, your situation. And her dad was like, should I publish them because they're private or should I not? And he ended up, he ended up publishing them because he knew and he read that she had this interest in, um, in being an author and, in changing the world. She's so hopeful. Yeah. Um, these are well written. These are poignant. And so he's like, yeah, I like, I will share my daughter's internal life with the world. Um, because the benefit outweighs. The yeah. Potential and she cost. wanted to be an author and that was, she oh did. my God, and is so, that and, heartbreaking. And so she, and so she is an author and she's, yeah. you know, probably yeah. one of the, like, you, you, name the you name the, the books, the books about, um, like being Jewish during the war. Um, you've got maybe Art Spiegelman's mouse. Um, you've mm-hmm. got, uh, Ellie Wiesel. Uh, you've got Anne Frank. These are, these are some of the big ones. Just making these names up. No, these are true. Like these are, these are, I these are the, some of the big names. Yeah. Um, rule of threes. <laughs> well, um, once again, I'd like to, va- I'd like to validate Ian by saying that I have heard of all three of those thank books. You. And those thank you. Three big pillars. Yeah. Yes. A lot of made up books here today about <laughs> shame. A gentleman, welcome to Tiffany's A Safe Place for you to tell me all the terrible things about Anne Frank without it being held against you. Ian, would you like to start? <laughs> I don't like that she dies at the end. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> right, okay. Joe, what about I you? I wish she had lived. Right, oh, that I, makes sense. I think the ending of my book is... Joe, Ian didn't like the ending. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes, I think the end yes. of my book is also sad and unsatisfying. Also a, a sad ending. I don't all right, well, this is a tough it. one. Yeah. You know, the winners are books that I want to read. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't think I could read the Anne Frank book. I think it mm. would just be too fucking heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. As a as a father of a daughter, mm-hmm. yes. Yep. Uh, so I I, re- I refuse to read it. Uh, so Ian, you lose. Joseph Butler's the very fun situations very going on fun. there. I bet with silver yep. mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah. Butler smack talk. So Can I, you I hope... do you what? Go ahead. Do you have any smack talk quotes? I, I do. And in fact, my, oh! it, 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 uh, the winning quote will be a Butler smack talk yep. quote. Yep. Good. Ian, tell the Litheads where to As go. Promised. Specifically Tween Vogue. Uh, Litheads, we appreciate you and we suspect that you appreciate us. If you'd like to show your appreciation, you can um, engage with us either on social media or on all of the ones that matter and some of the ones that don't. You can visit our website, tweenvogue.com or you don't know that podcast.com, but it's really, it's really tween vogue. Let's really lean into tweenvogue.com until we get that cease and desist. At our website, you can listen to old episodes. You can request stickers and swag out your laptop or your water bottle uh or random gas stations around Ooh, the country gosh, we need to tighten this one up ian <gasps> tighten it up <laughs> you can request books for us to read you can request themes <laughs> for us to to focus on uh the most important thing though litheads is tell your bookish friends about this podcast because that is how organic growth happens if you like books and you like us to hear us talk about books share this love with your friends 
Congratulations Beautiful. to butlers. Congratulations to Nazis, the real winners Lit, today. Litheads, if you winners. have a book that you've never read and you're ashamed that you've never read it, tell us about which, wh- what that is. Mm-hmm. I'm curious mm-hmm. to know what other... I'm trying to think if I have any. I mean, all of them. <laughs> Basically, yeah. every book we've ever covered on here. I'm pretty ashamed I haven't read. <laughs> all right. The following quote comes from a spot where Mr. Stevens is reflecting on what it means to be a great butler. And right. he is talking about some hotshot butlers who have popped up in the past and then faded into obscurity. So many greats. Gretzky. Um, Jordan. Jimmy. Stevens. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. Plays the Miami Heat. Incidentally, now that I come to think further about it, it's not quite true to say that there was no dispute as to who the great butlers were. What I should have said is that there was no serious dispute among professionals of quality who had any discernment in such matters. Of course, the servants at Darlington Hall, like any servants in any hall anywhere, were obliged to receive employees of varying degrees of intellect and perception, and I recall many times having to bite my lip while some employees, and at times, I regret to say, members of my own staff, excitedly eulogized the likes of, say, Mr. Jack Neighbors. I have nothing against Mr. Jack Neighbors, who, sadly, I understand was killed in the war. I mention him simply because he was a typical case. For two or three years in the mid-thirties, Mr. Neighbors name seemed to dominate conversations in every servant's hall in the land, and, as I say at Darlington Hall too, many a visiting employee would bring the latest tales of Mr. Neighbors' achievements, so that he, uh, I and the likes of Mr. Graham, who have to share the frustrating experience of hearing anecdote after anecdote relating to him, and most frustrating of all, would have to witness at the conclusion of each such anecdote of otherwise some otherwise decent employees shaking their heads in wonder and uttering phrases like, that Mr. Neighbors, he really is the best. Now, I don't doubt that Mr. Neighbors had good organizational skills. He did, I understand, mastermind a number of large occasions with conspicuous style. But at no stage did he ever approach the status of great butler. I could have told you this at the height of his reputation, just as I could have predicted his downfall after a few short years in the limelight. How often have you known it for the butler who is on everyone's lips one day as the greatest of his generation to be proved demonstrably within a few years to have been nothing of the sort? And yet, these very same employees who once heap praise on him will be too busy eulogizing some new figure to stop and examine their sense of judgment. The object of this sort of servant's hall talk is invariably some butler who has come to the fore quite suddenly through having been appointed by a prominent house and who has perhaps managed to pull off two or three large occasions with some success. There will then be all sorts of rumors buzzing through the servants' halls up and down the country to the effect that has been approached by that personage or several of the highest houses competing for his services with wildly high wages. And what has happened before a few years have passed? The same invincible figure has been held responsible for some blunder or has at some other reason fallen out of favor with his employers, leaves the house where he came to fame and is never heard of again. That is... British shit smack talk. That if is, I've ever it, heard that it. is <laughs> butler restrained smack talk. 